0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Josie's Desk. I am Josie. This is episode six, and thank you for joining me for our second filmed podcast. Um, I am, again, like I said, flying solo today. Zach is behind the camera and behind um, our microphone today, uh, keeping us in check. Uh, He was wonderful and set up this whole thing for me and got everything set up so I could just... uh, sit down and talk to you guys today and um, yeah so this is the podcast for me about me and um, I guess kind of all of us as we're stumbling through these very strange and scary times and yeah um, if you didn't check out last week's episode Check us out, um, we are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and way more, and we are also on YouTube. Um, episode five is on YouTube at Josie Wilson. Uh, my personal channel is up there. And yeah, you can just come hang out with us, go check up, um, get caught up with us, and what we've been up to. I am talking to you from our new apartment, which has been really, really cool. Um, you can learn all about like the process of how we got here and how we managed to move during the pandemic um, in last week's episode with me and Zach. So definitely check that out. We are also um, currently operating a link tree with very valuable um, resources on anti-racism and other um, information that you can find in the, if you're watching on YouTube, you can find it in the link in the description below. And um, you can also go find us on Instagram at Josie's Desk. And um, all of that link, all of our really, really important links are in our bios. We also do a Bail Fund Sunday slash uh, Sunday fund day, um, where we shout out either local charities or um, bail funds that still need attention uh, with the protests still happening. So, yeah, we're just going to sit down today and kind of talk about some random stuff. Um, I've had a lot of different things sort of just on my mind, thinking about, you know, how I can best use your time if you're listening to me. Um, Thank you for spending your time with me. And I want this to be a, you know, valuable experience, but I also want it to be a personal experience. I want to make sure that anything I talk about is mine to talk about. And I want to make sure that anything I talk about is done the most justice that I can do it. So um, if you saw us on Instagram today, I gave you guys a little sneak peek of what we're going to talk about today. And today we're going to talk about self-care. Um, I actually sat down and wrote all, all of my notes last night. And it's like a 10-page document on um, my thoughts around self-care and my thoughts around um the good and the ugly sides of self-care, the fact that it's, I think I looked it up yesterday, it's something like a $450 billion industry that's grown exponentially since like 2014 with the invention of, not the invention, or like the advent of things like bath bombs and the beauty industry and the self-care industry itself really exploding um, into this sort of not superficial, but very pretty um, branded self-care um, conglomerate, basically. Uh, that makes it sound evil and nasty, but it's it's not really. But it's definitely um, as a future, hopefully, uh, therapist and person um, dedicated to psychology and mental health adv- advocacy, I um, just really want to focus on the fact that like it's not always pretty. It's not always, um, you know, self-care has some really nasty and gross sides to it, especially now that so many of us are spending so much time alone or at home um, and dealing with um, different things on the news and being an election year. I would imagine that a lot of people's mental health has taken a toll in 2020. Um, so yeah. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're just going to talk about my rules for self-care. I have some rules that I want to talk about and uh, tell you guys, and I want to talk about just my thoughts. And, um, of course, all this stuff is my own opinion. Self-care is very personal to everyone. It's very individualized. And, um, yeah, since sitting in the pandemic, um, I don't know about you, but I've (laughs) – I've used a lot of my free time to learn and unlearn and reflect and sort of fix my shit. Um, I literally decided not to go to grad school because I wanted to fix my shit. Um, the day I sent in my rescinding, um, my rescinding my application or whatever, I sat down with my thesis advisor who is an older woman. Um, Her and I are very, very similar minded and I look up to her a lot and I just had a very honest moment with her and I said, I'm not ready and I take what I do and what I want to do very seriously. So the decision not to go was literally because I, you know, my education belongs to me and my decision to educate myself belongs to me, but I still have a duty To the people that I will eventually treat and the people that I will eventually counsel through life and walk through different aspects of their struggles with them. And I owe it to those future people to be better in as many aspects as I can. And I went through a phase in college where I just didn't have a, like, strong support system and I had a, and it wasn't that I didn't have people that would support me. It was that I refused to use it as a support system. And I refused to use the people that loved me and the people that wanted to help me um, because I would just yes them to death. And I am always the, like I, I would so much rather be sitting and giving advice than asking for advice. And that's a me problem. So um, my decision to, you know, take into consideration the fact that my field is designed to help other people, I kind of just had to be in a place where I could help people and be in a better place where I could be a better person um, in every way. And not that I was a bad person because I have mental health issues. I'm not saying a better person in that I was a bad person before. I'm saying better in terms of my coping skills and my outlook on life and all of that stuff so that's sort of my decision into you know deciding to go on this like mini self-care journey that I'm on right now Um, going to therapy for the first time really in years I had a terrible (laughs) Uh, I'll probably talk about this at some point on the podcast, but I had a terrible experience with a therapist that I went to last year, and it messed me up for like a long time and um I'm now with a completely different therapist who she, you know, specializes in like uh what is it that she specializes in. She specializes in um inner child care work, like literally talking to yourself as like an eight-year-old and picturing yourself as an eight-year-old and me 22 talking to my eight-year-old little girl self. And um, it's just been really interesting and really eye-opening. And she talks a lot about self-love. She's awesome. She has her, these two little kids that are just pros at like, I love myself and not in that like shitty little kid way of like selfishness or anything like that. Like they literally do just, understand that they are worthy of loving themselves and like their own self-love. Um and that's just been like a really eye-opening experience listening to her talk about her kids and also trying to like apply it to myself and whatever exercises we do um in therapy. So, yeah. If you are sitting with me today, I hope that you are relaxed and that you're sitting and, you know, enjoy your coffee with me, enjoy your wine with me, enjoy both at the same time depending on how late you drink your coffee and how early you drink your wine. So, first rule, the first rule of self-care that I introduced to myself um a while ago. It came from and I've I've had therapists. I am I I am getting my degree eventually to become a therapist. I have an under I have an undergraduate degree in psychology. I have a toolbox of self-care. Um, I, I use the word toolbox because it's literally what we use for, um, I, it's what we used for my young high schoolers. It's what I've used for younger kids. Um, you know, you fill out the little worksheets of like things you do to cope with your anxiety or things you do to make yourself feel better when you're sad. And um, it's just been, you know, me rebuilding my toolbox. And that's how I use these rules. And this first rule came from something kind of funny. I, I again, I say this because I've had years of discussions around mental health and discussions around treatments for mental health and different conditions and stuff like that. But the one rule that has helped me the most came from like a Tumblr post screenshot on Instagram somewhere. That's probably that I've probably read a million times, and it's someone telling a story. I have no idea who the original poster of it is. Um, some people probably are going to re- like recognize the story. That's how like popular this post is, but it's a Tumblr post. And it's someone talking about how their therapist is literally just there and Americans pay crazy money to therapists, basically for therapists to give you like common sense and give you their permission to be nice to yourself. Um, and it's the story of how this person is, you know, depressed. We've all been there or I know I've been there. And, you know, you just don't have the energy to tackle the task of making a sandwich today. And the therapist just, you know, says, well, you don't have to make the sandwich. You can eat, just eat the deli meat out of the bag or just like eat the cheese out of the bag. Like it's the same thing. Your body's not gonna know the difference. And I think for, you know, maybe people that haven't dealt with really, with really any mental illness before, that seems like very unfamiliar or it seems very silly or like the idea of not having enough energy to make a sandwich feels silly. But for some of us, like that's some golden ticket information right there. Like that's crazy. The idea like, Oh, I can do this. And it's not that my therapist is giving me permission to do it. It's that I literally never would have thought to do it. And that sort of part, there's a couple other things that I've seen where people are tackling this notion of, you know, I call them impossible tasks, like capitalized impossible tasks. And they're tasks that we've done a million times. They're tasks that we have tried to do or have done even in, you know, nothing bad happened, whether it's driving to a certain place you've only been to a couple times or calling your dentist office or anything like that. You know, we build up these tasks in our head and they sound so they're so in retrospect they're always easier than what we made them out to be and we freak out and you know in my experience we google and google and research and research and text and text a million people and you call your parents about it and you freak out about it over and over again and your fight or flight is activated over going to the dentist office or going to a new doctor's office your fight or flight instinct is activated for no reason (laughs) and you know that you're not or this is at least for people with uh suffering with anxiety like myself um you know you build it up to be this life or death situation when you know realistically it's such a small chance that anything could bad bad could happen on your way to the dentist or walking into the dentist office but you still find yourself repetitively going through like googling or i've literally looked something up on like google maps to see where their parking lot was in relation to their front door and that is so tiring and you know that's your fight and then other days your flight happens and you have to like cancel a dentist appointment literally because you can't handle the idea of you know walking in or calling or what if this happens? What if something bad happens? What if they're not nice to me? What if this happens? Or any number of like worries. And then, you know, I think on the depression side of it, it the impossible tasks become things like cleaning or like showering. And you know, you don't have the energy to get in the shower today. You don't you want to clean your room because you haven't cleaned your room in months and it's getting really, really bad. And so you make a to do list. For the day, and you write, clean your room. And you start to clean your room, and you get like a fourth of the way in, and there's empty cups or empty water bottles, and you see something with a stain on it, or just something is gross, and there's like trash on a table or something. And you get a fourth of the way done, but you kind of start to spiral because how did I let it get this bad? How did I let this situation get this bad? And you start to have it reflect on how you feel about yourself. Um, You feel gross, you feel bad, you feel awful, you feel all these things that we've assigned to people who can't clean up their rooms normally. And how are you supposed to keep cleaning your room if you're literally just spending time telling yourself how gross you feel and how awful you feel or how awful you are? Because you're cleaning your room for yourself. And you don't want to do things for yourself when you feel like crap about yourself. And that's frustrating. And and then you look at your to-do list and you didn't clean your room today. You cleaned a fourth of your room today. So you don't check it off. And then you have this empty box on your to-do list and maybe you did everything else today. And that sucks. And it's unfair to the work that you did do. So this sort of ties into that first rule where I am allowed to do things in parts. I didn't clean 100% of my room today, but I cleaned 100% of the stuff that I did clean. I didn't write 100% of my blog post today, but I wrote 100% of the sentences that I wrote today changing that and allowing yourself to have like small victories inside of those bigger impossible tasks. Doing that, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in like telling yourself, oh, I'm going to clean, I'm going to clean off that surface today. I'm looking at my messy, messy room. I'm going to hang up the clothes in that corner of the room today. Or I'm gonna clean up like I'm just gonna make my bed. I'm just gonna make my bed and that's all I'm gonna do. But you did a hundred percent of the things that you accomplished today. And that is my first rule of self-care. And I had to learn that over and over and over again because I am a really, really bad procrastinator. And it turns and it it ties into that and in that like we get so tied up in accomplishing the whole task, the big task, that we, and you have to accomplish that task perfectly for a lot of us to, for a lot of us at least with like perfectionism and anxiety to consider that task done. It needs to be 100% of of all the small tasks in that task completed. And I really had to start teaching myself or at least teaching myself to get over that fear of it not being 100% perfect when I was working on my thesis. Um, I am still immensely proud of my thesis, as you can tell, because I literally never fucking stopped talking about it. But um, I'm immensely proud of it. But it was such a difficult experience that I had so many moments of where I was so frustrated because... I had a very lax professor who really believed in like everything I did. She, so, I I still don't think, there are very few people in my life that have made me feel that believed in um, with what she allowed me to do in the space that she allowed me to do and the confidence that she had in me. And um, I, but because of her confidence in me and my inability to say no and create boundaries, I found a third option from fight or flight and my therapist and I have called it freeze and a lot of people experience this where you know fight is to do the action and accomplish the action flight is to just say no and pull out and not do it I was saying yes to accomplishing it and then getting so bogged down at the idea of accomplishing it or the idea of finishing it and having it critiqued or finished and having it be totally wrong and needing to redo the whole thing. I lived in that state of freeze for like a whole year in terms of that project. It's why I didn't finish it until like July because, because I was just so bogged down. And part of that really turns into my second rule of, self-care. And it's something that has become immensely important during the pandemic. And it's also become immensely important really during the George Floyd protests, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the civil unrest that we've been experiencing since April. And that second rule is setting and maintaining boundaries with yourself. And we will talk about that second rule when we come back. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Thank you for watching and listening to Josie's Desk. Um, I just want to remind you guys that there are valuable links in the description to different anti racism resources, petitions, um, other educational resources, and causes that need your attention. And um, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcast anger and wherever else you can find your podcasts. Thank you for watching us here on YouTube. If you want a little bit more of what we've been up to, you can come join us and follow our playlist on Spotify, where I've been sharing some new songs. We just refreshed it. We totally changed everything on it. So thank you guys. All right, guys, we are back and we are going to move into our second rule of self-care or my second rule of self-care and again before our break i kind of alluded to it but basically um something that i have been exercising a lot um is really like setting maintaining and respecting boundaries with yourself and um you know figuring out where your boundaries are and figuring out how to respect your own boundaries, especially right now, um, whether you're out of work, whether you're trying to find a new job, whether you're in your job and you're uncomfortable with the situation due to COVID or any um, any other factors that can make, you know, working, especially right now, very difficult. You know, there's a lot of shoulds, especially right now with the George Floyd protests and the... Black Lives Matter movement, and a lot of us are having really uncomfortable conversations with a lot of people, or at least we should be. If we are working towards you know, the greater good and working towards bettering ourselves and educating ourselves, we wanna make sure that the spaces around us are safe for others, safe for ourselves. And you, know, you want to, every space, or at least for me, every space that I enter, I want to leave better. And I've really been reflecting a lot on a lot of the spaces that I did not leave better when I left them, um, especially during college. And, you know, just reflecting on the things that I was a fly on the wall for or, you know, even decisions that I made that looking back, I absolutely would not have made that decision or let that thing fly. And, you know, doing the work to unlearn and doing the work to sort of fix a lot of that stuff but also having some space for myself and knowing that I am doing that work and no one else really has to see the work that I'm doing. Um, I try to be as vocal with the work that I do do and the work that I learn when, and like the things that I learn and the education that I um, dedicate myself to. But, you know, all I can do And all a lot of us can do is move forward in reflecting and trying to change our thoughts and our feelings about things and trying to change some of our beliefs and things that we were taught. And, you know, just trying to move forward and trying to, especially for me, I, again, my whole goal is to help and treat people and Everyone deserves treatment from me that is compassionate and informed and unbiased and kind. Everyone equally deserves that from me. So how I start, how I've been starting with that is the boundaries aspect of it. Because if I'm spending all of my time telling myself should and should not, or listening to other people in terms of should or should not, and I'm not, res- and that's not respecting my own boundaries. That's not respecting my boundaries. If I am constantly telling myself that I should be doing this or should be doing that, there's a reason I'm not doing it. Or there's a reason that, you know, instinctually I've maybe stopped myself from making that big decision because really what is, you know, we spend so much time, people call it, shoulding on themselves because we, compare ourselves to others and spend so much time looking at what others are doing on social media or looking at what others are accomplishing and so many of our shoulds come from that and so many of our shoulds come from pleasing other people and wanting other people to think that we have something or we know something or we're good at something and you know that's not respecting where you are right now. You need to respect the space that you take up in this moment. Understand that the space that you take up in this moment is still just as worthy as the space that someone else is taking up. And it is ju- and it is just as valuable. And you are worthy of a little bit of forgiveness right now. Especially because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. You deserve some space and a break. And I hope that you are taking actions still and doing your best to you know inform yourself and make changes where changes can be made but you also need to figure it yourself and I'm just working on forgiving myself and I'm also working on really respecting and figuring out where my boundaries are so that when someone tries to cross my boundaries I respect my boundaries enough to cut them off and stop them from crossing my boundaries And that's something that a lot of us struggle with, especially having all these really tough conversations with our family. Because a lot of us, at least in the younger generation, we're at a point where we have some solid understandings, or at least a lot of us, or at least we're open to learning. And there's a lot of people in this world who are not open to learning. And they want to cross your boundaries, and they want to make you feel small. And they want to make you feel alone in your thoughts. But you are not alone in your thoughts. And you are not alone in the way you feel. And I think that that is ultimately an act of self care and self love and self advocacy is respecting your own boundaries so that when someone else disrespects your boundaries, you can stop them. Number three is a little more tangible and less, you know, existential or less working toward a bigger picture. But I think one of my favorite acts of self-care and self-love that I've begun to try and make a daily part of my life is journaling. I have, I was a writer for a really long time. I wrote stories and poems and essays and like almost full novels when I was in high school. And I dedicated so much time to writing and and words and getting my words out on paper and getting my thoughts out of my head. And college just really stopped me from doing that for a lot of reasons. It's not like any big thing, but, you know, when you're so caught up in other people and so caught up in college and, you know, figuring out who you are, I think sometimes certain hobbies get like left in the dust. So I really started dedicating recently a lot of time to journaling. And in part of that is um, what I'm doing in therapy. And part of that is trying to tackle some of my executive function issues that I've been really, really struggling with for the past like two years. But um, or actually probably always. But (laughs) Um, yeah, so journaling has just been a really big thing. And also scheduling, too, where right now it's so funny. I literally, you know, I don't do much. I do, I try to do a lot more. I've been trying to fill my days with different tasks and different creative projects. And, um, I have a weekly planner. I have a day-to-day planner with like checklists and stuff. I have a journal for therapy where I write down like my meditation stuff in it or like things I talk about in therapy a lot. I have a journal for doodling and I have a journal for like self pledges, which is like And self-pledges are just basically promises I make myself, things like that. Um, When I first started therapy, I ended up sort of writing some stuff down where I pledged to be what people in mindfulness and people in um, different meditations call the curious observer. And I pledged to myself that I would be, you know, I, I will no longer be mad or i will no longer hold anger toward my anxiety um which is sort of an interesting thing because i think people who suffer from mental illness you know we can sort of separate ourselves from what our mental illness is and we hold a lot of anger or resentment toward it like it's a different um entity and you know i i can no longer be bad at my anxiety when i think of my anxiety as the fight or flight response because the fight or flight response exists to keep us alive um we are animals we are biologically similar to the same um animals that you know they experience fight or flight out in the wild and it's something that you know a lot of like humans don't necessarily always need fight or flight, but in people with anxiety, our fight or flight is sort of more activated than it needs to be. And to the point where things like impossible tasks become impossible tasks, where my brain convinces me that I'm going to die because I didn't know how to get into the dentist office or something like something absolutely absurd like that. But I can't be mad at my anxiety Sometimes we're all going to be mad at our anxiety, but I pledged to really stop holding anger towards my brain's desire to stay alive and my body's desire to stay alive. And um, it's just really helped. So that journaling aspect has been really helpful in terms of changing the way I think about um, my relationship with the mental illnesses that hold me back and, you know, might make my life a little more difficult than normal but and um, another means of journaling that I've been doing is I have one journal that's a mind dump so like you know you're anxious about something we're going on um, a trip in a couple of months and I was really I was talking about how just anxious I was about the trap about traveling and you know going on hikes and stuff like that we're hopefully gonna be able to get to hike <laughs> and get outside and stuff but I was really nervous and my therapist just told me you know write everything down And we do this thing where we, there is a book, um, if I can find the title of the book or find the author of the book, I'll link it down below. But it's basically about setting goals with soul. So setting goals that, um, you know, setting goals for my trip, or my trip or to go on the trip is a goal. But what are the feelings that I want out of those goals? And making the feelings the goals. So the goal isn't just to go like, we're gonna go hike. The goal is to feel accomplished. The goal is to feel um, fulfilled and relaxed. And the goal is to feel refreshed. Um, and then finding activities or finding things that we want to do to assign to those um, emotional goals. And that's been really helpful. But another aspect of it, and this is something I actually got from another podcast that I listened to. Um, I think it was the Smosh cast last Friday. Um, I don't know. They had like a randomly very serious episode with two of their um, actors and producers. And um, basically it was like praise journaling, which is something I've heard it called other things before, but basically it's a journaling, it's a journaling exercise dedicated to writing love letters or writing out lists of reasons you love another person and showing love to that person And you start with people that you really care about and people that you you do love genuinely and people that you're close to. And then you sort of work your way down to people that you don't necessarily love or people that you've had a lot of conflict with in your life or just people that you generally don't mesh well with in your life. And you work your way to, you know, talking about what about them is lovable or praiseworthy or anything like that. And, you know, if you can't think of a person, you know, you think of like, how awesome is it to like do the dishes? How awesome is it? You know, how awesome am I? That's another part of the exercise. It's like writing about yourself and writing self-love to yourself. And that's so important because I feel like, you know, every thought we have, and I'm going to get like really psychological for a sec. Every thought we have is a physic. there's something physical going on in your brain, right? Um, we call those neurological pathways. They're you know, areas of your brain where, you know, this event happens, and then this part lights up, and this part lights up, and that's the pathway, and, you know, humans, we are, you know, made, the way our brains are made is we do tend to focus on the negative, Um, we focus on bad memories, Um, you know, we have, like, select it, we selectively forget certain things, and it's usually kind of easier to recall the bad stuff, so, your neurological pathways that are assigned to thinking badly about yourself or thinking badly about that person that you just don't get along with, that neurological pathway is really active and it's used to being active. It's primed. Um, Priming in psychology is when you are subconsciously shown something or subconsciously told something and it affects how you behave later on. It's really how we build those implicit biases as we grow up, you know, whether you're, what you're exposed to in magazines, what you're exposed to on social media, they affect how we think about other people or people that are different than us without us knowing it. And it really is pervasive and it gets inside your brain. So it's about, you know, that journaling exercise is about finding the part of your brain that does the positive thinking and does the optimistic thinking. It's about finding that part of your brain and activating it and developing it better because, you know, what would your brain rather do? You have the positive side uh, for, there's a visual, there's a bit, I'm doing a bit of a visual component for anyone who's um, just listening, but basically one side of your brain and reminder, reminder that left and right side of your brain is a very outdated um, model of your brain makeup from very old psychology, But, um, you know, you have one part of your brain that's dedicated to the positive. That neurological pathway is like an undeveloped gravel road. And then you have the part of your brain that's used to thinking negatively or the part that does the negative thinking. That neurological pathway, for some of us, is like fucking Times Square. It is lit up like a Christmas tree. It's insane. Um, what would your brain rather do? Your brain would rather, you know, put up a new billboard in Times Square or go walk around Times Square. Your brain does not want to put houses and pave a road and, um like, add streetlights to the gravel undeveloped pathway. And by doing the journaling exercise, or trying to think optimistically, or doing exercises that are designed to make you think positively, you are developing that part of your brain. And you are hopefully, may eventually make it a second time square in your brain. And it's been really valuable, even just to think on it sometimes, if I can't make myself right, because that's another whole part of self-care and acts of self-care, is making yourself do it like I can't think of like I can't even count how many times I've like sat on my couch and I was like I'm gonna go paint or I'm gonna go read or anything like that things I genuinely enjoy doing and I don't do it because my phone just you know it's a little serotonin machine and you know people with mental illnesses you know we love our little serotonin machines and however else we get our dopamine and our other happy chemicals (laughs) but um we just you know it's hard to make yourself do the things that don't necessarily spark that joy I guess not to like Marie Kondo it but um you know we really struggle with do to we really struggle with things that just basically we struggle with doing things that are good for us all of us do Uh, whether it's eating healthy whether it's you know going for walks or cleaning your bathroom regularly. Like everyone sucks at doing something that they're really supposed to do. And all of those things too are self-care and thinking about them as self-care really does help stop uh, assigning them as chores. You know, if you think of eating healthy as treating your body, right, you know, rather than a chore or rather like some triggering aspect. And of course food uh, is extremely triggering for a lot of people with different mental illnesses, but if you just start trying to think of other things outside of maybe that um, that are good for you and try to think them more as things that you're doing for yourself. Like if someone else was to go in and clean your bathroom for you, you would feel amazing, right? So try and, you know, clean your bathroom for yourself or like do this for yourself. Do this little one act of kindness for yourself in a world that literally makes money. Again, the the self-care industry is something that exists. They profit and design products off of us feeling like shit about ourselves and trying to fix it. Um, But they don't actually want you to fix it because if you did start feeling better about yourself permanently, you wouldn't buy their products. Um, And that goes for most beauty industry related and health industry related things. Um, So yeah, doing things that really exercise your ability to think positively and grow your ability to think positively, especially about yourself is just another really radical act of self-care. And, um, I'll be sharing a lot of other information about self-care on the Instagram, um, tomorrow or whenever this podcast is out. Um, I've collected some really interesting, you know, perspectives on self-care, how self-care has been used, um, especially in, communities of um you know especially in marginalized communities and other um areas where you know self-care was sort of an act of protest especially um in a world that really does benefit from you not feeling good about yourself self-care really is a very radical act and it's an act that you are worthy of it's an act that you deserve um and when we start thinking about it like that it, it hopefully can make it easier to do. Um, Some other little things, some, like, fun things that I've been doing for self-care or just things that I've been enjoying lately. I um, started embroidering, which was crazy to learn how to do. Um, I've always been a really artistic person. I've always enjoyed, like, making things with my hands and stuff, and um, I just bought some, like, little um, embroidery kits online and, like, you know, pre-made designs and pre-cut threads, and they come with, like, little embroidery hoops and it's just been cool. And it's also cool. Like even last night I like embroidered some like leaves and like vines on like a pair of jeans. Um, it's just a fun idle thing to do that doesn't involve my little, uh, serotonin machine, my little, uh, phone. Um, I've also been, you know, looking for more podcasts. Um, we recently actually just threw up a list that I'm working through, um, of anti-racist podcast episodes. Um, WBUR, The NPR station for Boston, Mass. um, They published an article that is now on our link tree. Um, So you can go check out those episodes and stuff like that. Um, I also listen, what other podcasts do I listen to? I listen to the Smoshcast. I don't watch a lot of Smosh. I just really like, I think Ian Hecox is interesting. And I think the growth of what used to be like a really shitty, um, just ragtag kind of bad comedy company has really grown into something really interesting with a lot of really interesting individuals in it. Um, so I'm more just, you know, interested in what they talk about and like how, you know, the entertainment industry, or at least the inter, um, I think Good Mythical Morning uh, may have coined the term internet I can't remember uh, who came up with that term, but so I've really been enjoying that. Um, the Try Guys wives um, or their, their significant others um, came up with a podcast. I think it's called You Can Sit With Us, and um, they've had a really, really interesting podcast. They did one on um, Ariel Fulmer is pregnant, um, and she actually talks about her miscarriage on one episode, and um, Maggie, I can't remember her her last name, but um, one of them is a nurse, and she actually contracted COVID um, at the very beginning of the uh, pandemic, and she talks about her experience with that and um, how some of them have actually had family members uh, get sick and actually have to be hospitalized from the coronavirus, which is all really, really sad, but you know, sharing stories like that is really valuable, especially with so many people that are still seeing it as um, fake. (laughs) There are so many people talking about um, there, you know, you, you can't like click on a post on Instagram about COVID-19 without people saying that it's fake um you can't go on to a uh, liberal or like a, the planned parenthood instagram without seeing trump 2020 bullshit in the comments like i'm getting tired guys <laughs> but if i'm tired holy shit i can't imagine how a lot of other people feel right now me in my white cis woman body um i can't imagine and i can only hope to continue to educate myself until i can at least be a strong voice and a strong presence, um, against some of that bullshit. So, and that in itself is self love. (laughs) Um, I know a lot of the stuff I talked about today isn't exactly pretty or fun or, you know, it's not your typical self care. And, you know, there's a, there's sort of an error in like my thinking in that, um, a lot of the self care I do for myself is so that I can better care for others. But it's sort of, I guess, how I view or how I'm able to stay motivated to take care of myself. Um, you know, if I have a, a day where I just like, don't want to get out of bed, I know that, you know, there are people in my life that would rather see me get out of bed and would rather, you know, I get up and at least like get dressed today or make sure I get up and eat. Um, so on your worst days, if you can take care of yourself so, you, so that, you know, others feel good, then yeah, that's a reason to take care of yourself and um, you are worthy of that self-care. So that's all I kind of have for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for being here with me. Um, thank you to everyone that has watched um, us on YouTube and anyone that's caught up with us on Anchor, Spotify, wherever else you can find us. Um, I am feeling immensely grateful. I'm feeling immensely, you know, just present in the moment and, um, pleased with how the last couple months of my life have gone. So thank you guys. And we will catch you next time. Bye.